1: visiting a national park, let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.
2: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 624. And happy birthday. I mean, happy Mother's Day, Mom.
3: Let the whole world let him laugh at me. As long, as long as I can bend my knee. Oh, Mother,
2: Made great and, and weird, Tiny Tim. Meanwhile, yesterday, another day to note. May 13th was International Migratory Bird Day, a conservation initiative designed to bring awareness about conserving migratory birds and their habitats throughout the Western Hemisphere. It's celebrated this week in the U.S. and Canada, and at a later date in Mexico, Central and South America, and the Caribbean. With more than 600 events and programs taking place to educate folks about migratory birds and ways to conserve them. Definitely worth finding out more about Easy to Do at MigratoryBirdDay.org. We know that birds face all kinds of migration challenges, and one of the biggest is building and window crashes. As you may have heard in the news, nearly 400 birds were found dead outside an office building last Thursday morning... In Galveston, Texas, after the flock apparently became disoriented and crashed into that skyscraper, office workers found the birds outside the American National Insurance Building there in Galveston. When they arrived at work, the birds were mostly orioles and warblers. They'd flown nearly 600 miles across the Gulf of Mexico in northward migration, reached land at Galveston, only to slam fatally into the tower. Looks like it might be time for Galveston to join the Lights Out effort in which building owners agree to turn off excess lighting during the months migrating birds are flying overhead. That program is in effect in many cities around the country, including San Francisco, Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Baltimore, Boston, Detroit, and New York, among others. But here is some late breaking news some good news that we learned about from our friend Barbara Vocal, with input from local wildlife groups and birders. The owners of that building that all those birds crashed into say they are shutting down the lights and turning up the dialogue around bird-friendly practices not sure what that part means but it sounds good a spokesman says that for the first time in decades the company has elected not to turn on its 20 beam floodlight array to avoid further collision events and they say the lights will remain off for the rest of the spring season meanwhile we have some news from up in Alberta Canada with our Charlotte Wasilek and her Charlotte's weblog sponsored by LL Bean inspiring you to get outdoors llbean.com Alberta Good morning, Charlotte.
3: Good morning, Ray. It's finally looking like spring in this part of Alberta and sounding like it too. Tree swallows, rose-breasted grosbeaks, eastern phoebes, and cinnamon teals have recently arrived. I need to catch up on entering my settings into eBird, but with all these new species arriving daily, it's been difficult to stay ahead of the birds. I'm counting down the days until the L.L. Bean Birding Festival in Freeport, Maine, from May 25th to the 28th, I'll be attending the festival and will be at the live broadcast of the Talkin' Bird show. I'm so looking forward to my first time birding in New England, especially during spring migration. To stick with the main theme, Derek Lovitch, the author of How to Be a Better Birder, has recently published a new book, Birdwatching in Maine, a Sight Guide. If you're planning on visiting Maine this spring or summer, or will be at the festival, this should be the perfect guide to help you find some of Maine's specialty species. Derek and his wife, Jeanette, are career biologists who also operate Freeport Wild Bird Supply. For more information, head to www.freeportwildbirdsupply.com. That's all for this week, Ray. I'll talk to you next time and see you soon in Maine.
2: Thanks, Charlotte. Talking Birds listeners, be sure to check out Charlotte's blog at prairiebirder.com. That's prairieburder.com. And talking to birds listeners, uh, join us up there in Maine if you can. L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival will broadcast live on the morning of May 28th. Meanwhile, for talking to birds listeners in the Boston area, you are hereby invited to a fascinating presentation about the Galapagos Islands by our friend and birding tour leader David Clapp on Wednesday evening, May 17th, six thirty at the Boston Library's South End Branch, the Boston Public Library South End Branch. We'll also have info on hand about our Talking Birds trip to the Galapagos Islands in September. So join us if you can. Refreshments will be served. Admission is free. That's at the Boston Public Library. South End Branch, Tremont Street, Boston, Wednesday, May 17th, 6.30 p.m.
3: Extra, extra, read all about it.
2: Some of the uh, stories and videos for you on our Facebook page this week. Rare birds find Southern California beach housing. They're nesting at Santa Monica State Beach and other places for the first time in 70 years. Bad news. The Arctic is experiencing climate change at a faster rate than anywhere else on Earth. Some potential good news. The U.S. State Department says it will participate in a summit of Arctic Nation's efforts to tackle climate change. Stay tuned. And if the response so far is any indication, you too will love the duckling swimming lesson video that's on our page right now. Some of what we have for you on our Facebook page. You can find those stories through an online search if you're not a Facebook follower. On our blog this week, Quiet Please, How Human-Generated Noise Affects Wild Places. On our blog, written by our own Debbie Bleacher and easily found at Birds. Dot com. Here's a quick preview of our mystery bird contest, which we'll conduct a little later in the show. Here's the sound of our bird. Our bird is a little larger than a pigeon. Brown or gray overall, with large light blue patches that can see be seen clearly in flight. On the front of the wing, the male has a white crescent on his face. Our mystery bird is found in shallow ponds and wetlands where it feeds on aquatic invertebrates, seeds, and plants. A little preview of our mystery bird contest coming along a little bit later in the show. Meanwhile, we're going coast to coast this week with thank yous to our newest Talkin' Birds ambassadors, including Heidi Franklin in Bath, Maine, who just recently found our show, and she says she likes it. Heidi says she's had the chance to see birds all over the world, and that especially splendid was spending the last six years in Queensland, Australia, Now she's back in Maine and trying to learn and observe the migrating warblers this spring. Thank you, Heidi. And thanks to Jeremy Schwartz in Seattle, Washington, who says he's been into birding for just a little more than a year now. Started listening to Talking Birds just a few weeks ago and listens to our podcast on Monday mornings on his way to work. And he adds, I hope to get up early enough on some Sunday soon to listen to you guys live. It's 6.30 a.m. for us West Coasters. Keep up the great work and keep watching the skies, says Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. And thanks to Billy Cantwell. That's B-I-L-L-I-E. And she's in Knoxville, Tennessee. She tells us she'll be sharing Talking Birds info cards with her bird club, her friends, and her local Wild Birds Unlimited. She says she always learns something on our show. Thank you, Billy. We do, too. A quick visit to our Facebook page. will give you info on our Ambassador State's And if you'd like to sign up and become an ambassador, hand out some of our cards to your friends, just click on the contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the ambassador option. The contact button at TalkingBirds.com and choose the ambassador option. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the poet of Parker River, the Prince of Plum Island, and the author of the highly acclaimed book, Reflections on a Golden-Winged Warbler. That's not as complicated as it sounds because it's all one person, our friend Duck Chickering. Also this morning, our man Mike O'Connor from the Birdwatcher's General Store on Cape Cod will enlighten us about how to provide nesting materials that might uh, convince birds to nest in your backyard or maybe on your back porch. That's in our Let's Ask Mike segment. And up next, a recognized world champion is today's featured feathered friend. The winner ...and new heavyweight migration champion of the world... ...Sooty Shearwater! In a Times of London story, Lewis Smith describes the longest annual bird migration ever recorded. He writes... A flock of Sooty Shearwaters weighing no more than two pounds, traveled some 46,000 miles. Equally amazing is that these birds could travel nearly 700 miles a day. Scientists tagged 33 sooty shearwaters electronically to monitor various data, including air temperature, their position, and how deep they dove into the sea for food. 19 of the 20 tags were recovered, providing full records of their long-distance journeys from New Zealand to Antarctica, Japan, Alaska, and even South America. Sooty shearwaters are small, but they're certainly tough. When searching for fish, squid, and krill for food, the birds dove an average of 46 feet, and some went as deep as 225 feet. Incredible facts about an amazing bird, courtesy of Lewis Smith from the Times of London, England. My mother came from England, up in Lancashire, and up there they would call this bird a Bobby Dazzler. The new world heavyweight migration champion. And this week's Talking Birds featured feathered friend, the Sooty Shearwater. Thanks again for being with us here on our show number 624. Please visit our website, TalkinBirds.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at TalkinBirds. Well, we're proud to welcome back the Prince of Plum Island, a.k.a. the poet of Parker River, and the author of Reflections on a Golden-Winged Warbler, chosen by Birdwatching Magazine in 2014 as one of the best new bird books of the year. Doug Chickering is his name, and he's with us on the phone. Good morning, Doug. Hi, how you doing, Ray? Well, I'm doing well here, despite the rain. Not a birding day for uh, Doug. We're going to hear something about awe from you this morning. You know, a recent issue of the Sierra Club blog that I just saw, the Green Life, uh, points out that scientists and psychologists are increasingly studying the sense of awe, that positive feeling of being in the presence of something vast that transcends our understanding of the world. And Dr. Paul Piff was the leader of the study. He said people are often focused on their own interests and the small self represents the alternative to that. Less important, less narcissistic and less entitled with the feeling that you're part of something bigger than yourself. And he suggests that awe-inducing experience outdoors makes people more generous and moral and willing to help others. What do you think, Doug?
0: Oh, I agree. I agree. And there are, and, uh, the birding... Uh, will present you with many instances of being in awe. And one of the um, interesting sidelights to that is that when you're out birding and the birds are all around you, time passes so quickly. <laughs> you, you All of a sudden, you, you're getting hungry, and four <laughs> hours have passed, and you don't even know it. That's how is, you know. There you're are some hungry. shows on Plum Island, for example, like mm-hmm. Staging of the Tree Swallow, that are awe-inspiring. Mm -hmm. And then there are smaller instances there are, like my uh, essay.
2: Yes, indeed. Well, you recently hosted a colorful visitor in your backyard and wrote a beautiful essay about it, and awe was certainly part of it. Recount that for us if you would, Doug.
0: Sure, and uh, the listener, all they have to do is look out their window, and they will see a, a very similar background. It was called Morning Blaze. Like the bolt of lightning that startled me from last night's slumber, it was almost a shock, a blaze of brilliance in the gloomy, dark morning. Not that the backyard was colorless, even in the cloudy, dim light. The lawn is a deep green, and the redbud tree is in bloom, and the jonquils are bright, yellow, and white. But it was sunless, dark morning, and as Lois and I sat down for our coffee and breakfast, there it was, the bright flash of spring sitting on our hanging feeder, a rose-breasted grosbeak. He was back to us, but even then, the pristine white shone in the meager light and the deep cosmic black stood out in sharp contrast to the general drizzly background. It was a freshly plumaged male, reporting for duty and ready for love. Then he turned, and there at the center of his breast, at the center of the yard, at the center of our odd attention, with that rose red, a thunderbolt of color in the gray-green background. There is no better way to begin a May morning than a rose-breasted grosbeak. speaker you fear.
2: Uh-huh. And we can hear him doing his little song there, a dog famously uh, described often as the sound of an American robin that's had some operatic voice training. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a good... That's a good point.
2: Yeah, Plum Island is a place that you obviously know well, and I think people from many parts of the country know it. Right here on the Massachusetts coast, tell us a little bit about that place because it is a pretty amazing locale.
0: Yes, it is. It's um, it's a barrier island, and it and it separates the ocean from a vast salt marsh in back of it. And it's a, a pretty um, important stop. Uh, on the migration trail for many, many birds. So you will get many birds there that you won't get anywhere else. And conversely, there are birds that are common in your backyard that you would have trouble finding them. For. <laughs> yeah, yeah right. like a white-pressed nuthatch hatch mm-hmm. or a tufted titmouse. I mean, I've seen them there. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty rare, and I've never seen a biliated woodpecker, and I've never seen a screech owl there. And those are birds that I can get around my neighborhood.
2: All right. Well, it's a good. that's a good uh, selling point for birding in your backyard, too.
0: Yes, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> Doug, Absolutely. thank you so much.
2: Doug, Doug Chickering, the poet of Parker River, the Prince of Plum Island, and the author of that great book, Reflections on a Golden-Winged Warbler. Doug, thanks so much for being with us. We'll talk soon.
0: Okay. Thanks for Duck Doug Chickering
2: here on our Talking Birds show here for the 24th, or the uh, 624 is the number of the show. <laughs> and the date we're doing it live is May 14th, I think. Don't forget, you can hear our show live, by the way, uh, any time uh, when, when it's live, that is. All you have to do is uh, go online to TalkingBirds.com and you can find out how to listen live online wherever you are. Up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Well, Talking Birds listeners, we're getting ready to go to the Galapagos Islands. We'll be heading there in September, and we're inviting Talkin' Birds listeners to join us for this trip of a lifetime with one of the best small group touring companies on the planet, Sunrise Birding. More cabins have been added, but this trip will be sold out, so don't hesitate. Travel with us to one of the most amazing places in the world, home to abundant and approachable wildlife, including birds that are found nowhere else on earth. Even Galapagos penguins with whom we'll snorkel. They're the islands where Charles Darwin's research led to the groundbreaking theory of the origin of species. And we'll be there during the season when sunshine is abundant and birds and mammals are most active. Galapagos veterans rave about our tour's itinerary. We'll see places and creatures that other tours don't. I'll be your host for this unforgettable trip along with expert local guides. Please join us. It's easy to find out more at sunrisebirding.com That's sunrisebirding.com Talking Birds is made possible in part by the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, a world leader in the study, appreciation, and conservation of birds. Please check them out at birds.cornell.edu. That's birds.cornell.edu. You're eligible to win our mystery bird contest if you haven't won here within six months. So give a listen if you didn't hear our preview and uh, listen to the clues again. And give us a call. Tell us what the bird is or take your guess. As always, if no correct answer is received, a drawing will determine the winner from those nearly correct answers. Here's the important thing. It's the phone number, 781-837-4900. Don't hesitate with your call so we don't run out of time. 781-837-4900. Our prize is the Droll Yankees Double Suet Feeder, perfect for treating your backyard birds to their favorite suet or fruit in the summertime. Easy load front opening design, heavy gauge wire that holds up For years of use, here's our mystery bird. Our mystery bird is a little larger than a pigeon. It's brown or gray overall with large light blue patches that can be seen clearly in flight. On the front of the wing, the male has a white crescent, kind of a vertical, big white crescent on his face. Our mystery bird is found in shallow ponds and wetlands where it feeds on aquatic invertebrates, seeds, and plants. That would be our mystery bird. The number is 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900. Tell us what it is or take your guess. Meanwhile, we'll find out how to attract birds to your backyard by providing the appropriate nesting materials to help them out. We'll hear about it with our men. Mike O'Connor down on Cape Cod at the famous Birdwatcher's General Store. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. The Amazon's rainforest is being cut down so
0: fast that by 2030, 55% of it could be completely wiped out. The Earth's forests can't speak up when they need help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org. If we continue to consume our natural resources at the rate we do now, By 2050, it could take three Earths to meet our needs. The Earth can't speak up when it needs help, but we can. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Visit worldwildlife.org.
2: I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know?
4: Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future.
2: Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash.
4: Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle. Unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's.
0: Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over
2: on a new planet? Now that's exciting.
4: Don't be that guy. Unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org.
2: Yeah, if you don't want people looking at you funny, don't go into the Birdwatcher's General Store on Cape Cod. Because that's what Mike always does when people come in there, looks at you funny. Good morning, Mike.
4: You know, I never liked that Tommy Crenshaw. (laughs) (laughs) Has he been into the store? Yeah, yeah, and he he wanted like two bags for everything, and I said, okay, you're not coming back, though.
2: Probably opens the packages outside and throws the it packaging out, right in the ground. out in the parking lot there. Well, Mike, I remember you one time talking about um, uh, taking your golden retriever and having him stand out in the backyard <laughs> so that uh, <laughs> so yeah. the birds could uh, get some fur for nesting materials, right?
4: That's right, yeah. And this is, you know, today's Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And and if you want to help mother birds, um, it's a good, this a good time of year to put out um, some odd nesting material for the birds. I think last week we talked about Orioles, and now they're building their nest. And if you put out short pieces of string or yarn, um, maybe six, eight inches, and just drape those on the bushes, the female will come pluck them off and incorporate them into the nest. Uh, I think one of your callers suggested last year, cotton balls or other kinds of cottony material uh, or fur that you can put into, like, a, a, weave, a woven basket or a sewer basket or a little... Um, you know, like an onion bag or something like that, and a netting, and they'll come in and, and pluck those off. I used to have a lady that used to bring golden retriever for every year. She would sh- save it. So if you've got a, a, a furry pet and you save the fur, you can put that out now. And she used to give it to us and, and put it in little bags, and we'd we'd sell it to people for a donation to the to Wildcat, which is a wildlife rehabilitation place. But you have to be careful. If you use pet fur, you can't use it if you treat your animal with, like, uh, flea, Powder or frontline, whatever those things, then you really can't use that. So it's got to be kind of natural for. And when um, I had a story uh, happened a few years ago, a guy brought me in pictures where he had a, this is I think East Ham, the the town next to us, and he had a fenced in backyard. And every afternoon, he'd come home from work and let his dogs out. Well, this afternoon, there was a, happened to be a raccoon in the backyard. And so, of course, the dogs chased the raccoon, and the raccoon went up the tree. And, you know, just sat there, you know, waiting for the, the dogs to get over it before he could come back down. And while he's up there, a tent mouse flew in and started plucking the fur off the raccoon's tail. And, and the raccoon is like, uh, really, Did, could this day get any worse? I like got a dog, I'll get a raccoon picking on me.
2: The ultimate insult. How
4: about a that?
2: raccoon up there in
4: the tree. <laughs> All right. I think, I think I've seen
2: that lady's golden retriever, by the way. It's, the, it's a hairless golden retriever.
4: Yeah, we, they call them patches. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Mike, and we'll okay. talk to you uh, next week.
4: Sounds good, man.
2: Okay, right. bye-bye. Mike O'Connor down there at the Birdwatchers General Store on Cape Cod. Poaching is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry, and I'm an actor
3: reaching out with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, which works with private landowners to protect wildlife. Preserve natural habitats and create permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, call eight hundred seven two 729 save or visit Wildlifeland Trust.org. Thank
2: you. And we're back here now at the Mystery Bird Contest. If you have any idea what this bird is, well, give us a call and tell us what you think and win that beautiful Droll Yankees feeder, perfect for suet or fruit, in your backyard. 781 837 4900 is the number uh, for the Mystery Bird Contest. Here's the bird. Size-wise, our bird is a little larger than a pigeon. It's brown or gray overall with large light blue patches that can be seen clearly in flight on the front of the wing. The male has a big white vertical crescent on his face. And uh mystery bird is found in shallow ponds and wetlands where it feeds on aquatic invertebrates and seeds and plants. What is that mystery bird? a guess or tell us at seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred that's seven eight one eight three seven four nine hundred and uh I think we have Dave in Lancaster, New Hampshire Good morning Dave Good morning, Ray and I think I know you Dave. I think you if I may say are one of our talking birds ambassadors. am I correct you're correct ray well thank <laughs> thank you for thank you for doing that How's that ambassador thing working out if I may ask.
4: Oh, it's working out great. It, it, people are very appreciative of the cards, and uh, hope you're gaining uh, lots of listeners.
2: All right. Well, we're, we're, we we will thanks to you, Dave, in New, in New Hampshire. Anyway, we're out here at the mystery bird contest, Dave. Are you uh, pre- prepared uh, to uh, tell us what you think this mystery bird is?
0: Uh, my guess is a blue-winged
2: teal. Our audience indicates that is uh, not only a top quality guess, but actually uh, exactly uh, correct. Blue Wind Teal, a beautiful sure. bird that you uh, may see in Lancaster, New Hampshire, from time to time, do you?
4: Yeah, that's right. We do have them here, uh, and uh, quite frequently I see them.
2: Well, congratulations, uh, uh, Dave. We're going to send you that beautiful Droll Yankees suet feeder, perfect for suet or fruit in uh, in your backyard. And thanks again for being a, a Talking Birds ambassador.
4: Uh, you're very welcome, Ray. Enjoy doing it.
2: That's Dave up in Lancaster, New Hampshire, uh, with the correct Uh, identification of our mystery bird the blue-winged teal an elegant looking bird that believes in being fashionably late uh, in the spring it's among the last ducks to migrate northward but it kind of makes up for that in the fall being one of the first to migrate southward and it does some pretty impressive migrating one individual banded up in alberta canada home of our own Charlotte Wesselich and found one month later in Venezuela. Speaking of Charlotte Wesselich, she's going to be joining us at the big L.L. L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival uh, in Maine, uh, Freeport, Maine to be exact and to be even more precise, right by the big bean boot right there at their flagship store in Freeport, Maine. We hope you can join us there. That's uh, May 28th. That's our live broadcast 9:30 a.m. Eastern time, and that Bean Main Audubon Festival is actually a four-day event, and it goes uh, from uh, the 25th through the 28th, through those so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and our live broadcast there on that Sunday. And by the way, one of the uh, main speakers, or I guess the kind of the keynote speaker at the LL uh, L. Bean Main Audubon birding festival uh, will be Dr. Steve Cress, the man who created Project Puffin and brought Atlantic Puffins and other seabirds back to the islands off the coast of Maine. Quite an amazing guy, Dr. Steve Gass, uh, Steve Kress. He not only will be there at the L.L. Bean Maine Audubon Birding Festival, but will also be right here, on Talking Birds next week. He will be our special guest here on the show, so we hope you'll join us for that. Meanwhile, we pretty much run out of time here. Thanks again for being with us, and uh, if you're curious about that Ambassadors program that we mentioned, well, we hope you will uh, we'll check it out and go to our website, talkingbirds.com click on the Contact button, and then choose Become an Ambassador. If you'd like to join Dave and about 120 other folks now around the country who have joined our Ambassadors program, if you already have. Thank you so much. Executive producer is Mark Duffield. Our associate producer is Debbie Bleacher. Our engineer is Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. Happy Mother's Day again, and we'll see you next week.
1: And by Chimani. Visiting a national park? Let Chimani guide you. Chimani.com.